If you are one of those people who think the government is hiding countless secrets from you and constantly covering things up, then you would be absolutely right. I'm one of the many people they hire to clean up their mistakes. I'm not entirely sure why they chose me, and there's really not that much special about me, but perhaps that's exactly why they chose me. I was already a loner, and I'm not going to cure cancer or create the next weapon of mass destruction, so I'm easily disposable. They approached me one day after I finished working my shift at a fast food joint. I'm not sure I had much of a choice, but my life was so dull I was ready for any kind of change up anyways. The men who came up to my door didn't even tell me what I would be doing, simply that if I wanted to aid my country, to follow them. I didn't look back once, and as strange as my life has gotten, I still don't regret it. The next year of my life would be grueling. I was put through extreme physical and mental training. I learned about things I only thought existed in movies. I'm not sure what would have happened to me if I had failed the training, but I can't imagine they would have let me go back to my normal life. Not once did they mention what I was training for during that year. Not until I graduated. Upon getting the seal of approval from the higher-ups, I was brought into a small room with black suits and finally informed of what I would be doing. My new job would be hunting down failed experiments and other oddities that the government had failed to contain. Not all jobs would be the same. Some would be relatively easy, while others would be next to impossible. Most missions would come with the option of bringing the target back, dead or alive, but of course it would be preferable to always bring them back alive for further experimentation. My first assignment would be on the easy side. Codename, The Ice Cream Man. The Ice Cream Man, like most failed experiments, was at one point a human. He still had the appearance of one, your typical ice cream truck driver, but he's essentially a robot, only concerned with doing his job. So, what's so special about the Ice Cream Man, then? Well, I'm never told the why of the creatures I hunt, but I always put together my own ideas. The ice cream man's truck is really the special part. The music that comes from the horns works as almost a human magnet. It entrances anyone within hearing distance to approach the truck. And once you approach the truck, you, well, you buy the ice cream. I've heard the ice cream tastes delicious, but of course, you'll never know for sure because the ice cream causes anybody who eats it to basically enter a fugue state. For the next 12 hours after consuming the ice cream, you will carry on your day as you normally do, but you'll remember nothing the next day. I'm sure you can see why this would be a valuable asset to the government. Unfortunately, the scientists put in charge of testing the ice cream men underestimated him a bit. Before they knew it, they had woken up 12 hours later, wondering where their test subject had gone. I'm sure I was given this simple assignment as sort of a test. I was given a pair of enhanced noise-blocking earplugs and was sent on my way to the ice cream man's last known location. He wasn't hard to find. I just had to follow the mass of vehicles that had lined up to get their sweet treat. I allowed him to serve everybody in the area. 
It would make my job of taking him much easier if nobody could remember it. After everybody had their ice cream, I lined up myself. He attempted to serve me, but instead, I reached into the truck and I injected him with a tranquilizer. He may only be a shell of a person now, but he's not immune to good old-fashioned medication. I tied him up and I hitched his truck to my vehicle. I dropped him off at the nearest government facility, and I awaited my next target. As I said, this would be one of the easier assignments. My next wouldn't be quite so simple. Codename, The Rippler. Unlike the ice cream man, The Rippler was still mostly human. He hadn't lost his emotions, or become a mindless zombie, and perhaps that was the problem. Through intense experimentation, the Rippler had gained the ability to create an intense concentrated earthquake. He had collapsed the facility that he was being stored in. The main concern with the Rippler was his danger to others around him. If he used his ability in a heavily populated area, countless lives could be lost. This was one of the few cases that had been advised to not bring the target back alive. Once again, I feel as though this assignment was a test. Just a different kind of test. The government wanted to see if I could kill for them without hesitation. And it's possible if I did, then there would be truly no escape for me. That was fine though. I had no intentions of leaving. The Rippler was a bit more difficult to find. Mostly because he wasn't trying to attract the attention of everybody around him. But if the government wants you... They will find you. He had relocated to a small town, changed his name, his face, everything in an attempt to escape. I almost felt bad for the guy. I doubt he had volunteered himself to be a guinea pig for the government, and now all he wanted was to live a normal life. Once I found the town that he was staying in, I made sure to keep my distance. I didn't want him going nuclear on me. I confirmed he was indeed my target by collecting some DNA samples from his trash. And all that was left was to take him down. I didn't want to kill him, but I didn't have a lot of options. The scientists who had created him were still unsure of the extent of his powers and his ability to control them. Had I brought him in back alive, there's no telling if the government even had a facility capable of holding him. I did what I thought was best. After he returned home one night, I put a bullet between the Rippler's eyes. It wasn't a good feeling, but I continued to convince myself that it was necessary. I dropped his body off and I was thanked for my services. It wouldn't get easier from here either. My next target. Codename, Ghoul. This one was truly a monster. I'm not sure what the government was trying to create in Ghoul, but I don't think they got what they wanted. Ghoul has enhanced strength and speed, but with one slight problem. He eats humans. Who knows, maybe that's exactly what the government wanted. As you can imagine, Ghoul found a way to escape. After a while, you think these government scientists would get better at containing these experiments, but that doesn't seem to be the case. This mission might not have been so bad, 
but I was given strict orders that Gul was to be brought back alive. All my lethal weapons were stripped and replaced with tranquilizers strong enough to bring down a rhino. I put in a request to have a partner for this assignment, but of course I was swiftly denied. Ghoul had taken up residence in a forest, and this might not have been so bad if not for the fact that this forest had been an extremely popular hiking trail. There had always been frequent disappearances in the forest, a lot of them chalked up to suicides, but since Ghoul had escaped, that number had amplified significantly. The government did me a solid and got the trail shut down for the weekend, so it would just be me and Ghoul. I wouldn't have to worry about anybody else getting in the way. I've always wanted to go on a hiking date, but this wasn't quite what I had pictured. I set out into the forest looking for signs of his nest. I had made sure not to shower all week in preparation. If he came to me, it makes my job of dragging him back to the vehicle a lot easier, and I'm sure he would get hungry eventually. After about an hour of following markings and footprints that I assumed it would belong to Ghoul, I began to come across bones. Human bones. So, I was getting closer. I followed the path for a few more minutes before I began to hear noises. Looks like my date had arrived. I heard tree branches shaking as he drew nearer. After only a few moments... He was standing on a large tree right in front of me. He looked down on me, studying me. He really wasn't that big, maybe 5'6 with an average frame, but looks can be deceiving. His skin was a sickly yellow, and his hair had begun to recede as if he was an old man, but he was clearly much younger. His eyes were pure white, no longer containing anything else. After a brief stare down, he jumped. There was a good 50 feet between us, so I thought I would have a few seconds to ready myself, but I was wrong. As if he was a video game character, he soared from the tree and landed directly on top of me. I had just enough time to pull out a tranquilizer and shove it into his side, but it wasn't enough. And despite the strength of it, he seemed relatively unaffected. He shrugged it off and proceeded to take a chunk of flesh out of my shoulder. I lay helpless as he began to chew on my flesh. I knew it wouldn't be long before he went back for seconds. I struggled to pull out another tranquilizer, but I managed to pull another one out right before he began to lunge in for another bite. I jammed the second directly into his neck. I felt his teeth begin to lock down on my own neck, but before he bit down... He passed out. I let out the biggest sigh of relief of my life, and I pushed him off of me. I placed the special restraints I had been given for him on, making sure the muzzle I was given for him was extra tight. I wasn't sure how long the tranks would last, but hopefully long enough for me to deliver this monster. Despite missing a chunk out of my shoulder, I had escaped alive. This was only one monster that science had created. I can only imagine what my future would have in store for me. After delivering Ghoul, I informed the higher-ups I would need at least a month off. And knowing what they had put me through, they obliged. If anything, they were impressed that I had come back in mostly one piece. Those were a few of my targets. 
I have many more tales to tell, but that will have to wait. I just received my next assignment, and I must begin preparations. If I survive, I will be sure to post more. So, I'll see you soon. Hopefully. I'm back, and I'm in one piece this time. Before I talk about more of my targets, I'm going to address a few concerns from my last post. A lot of you were concerned with my bite that I suffered from ghoul. As far as I know, I haven't contracted anything. I was told whatever they did to him shouldn't be contagious, but I made them run some tests regardless, all of which came up negative. They did give me some special pills, but I was told these were to help speed up the recovery of my shoulder. It wouldn't surprise me if they were hiding something from me. I just hope that if I do start craving human flesh, I would still have enough mental fortitude to pull the trigger one last time. Another thing I wanted to address is who I work for. I only ever referred to my boss as the government, and that is simply because I have no clue what branch this is. It's possible that this isn't the government at all, but I doubt that. It's far too ingrained not to be. It could be the CIA, but I'm not certain. The only questions I ask are the ones that will hopefully keep me alive longer. Now, let's talk about a few more of my assignments. After my month-long break slash recovery from ghoul, I was given an easier assignment to ease my way back into things. Codename, Romeo. Romeo was made to be a charmer, and that he was. He was a true Adonis in every sense of the word. Romeo made the statue of David look ugly in comparison. From what I can tell, he was designed to charm women. Foreign diplomats, probably. But instead, he charms anyone and everyone. Which is how he was able to charm his way out of his holding cell. Romeo really isn't a danger to anyone, though. Except perhaps himself, should he find himself at the hands of an angry spouse. But I'm sure he could get himself out of that one, too. Finding Romeo was easy, actually. But the hard part would be extracting him. He was always surrounded by a crowd, almost like a cult. If there were a high-class party, Romeo would be there, and he would never return to his room with less than ten people following him. I would need a good plan to separate him from his entourage. I decided to attend one of his parties, just so I could get a better scope of the situation. It was crucial that I find any openings he might have. What I didn't expect, though, was for Romeo to approach me. Good evening, monsieur. I do not believe we have met before. I am Romeo. And you? Monsieur, was that French? I think I almost threw up a bit in my mouth. I guess I should have expected this, though. He was quite the ego, after all. It was good to see his charm wasn't working on me, though. I'm not entirely sure why, but I think it might have something to do with my disgust at just how perfect he is. Oh, I'm, uh, James. I'm kind of new here. Nice to meet you, Romeo. I managed to respond. James, what a fabulous name. But alone at a party. Unacceptable. 
Come with me. My friends and I are about to return to my estate. I will show you the finer parts of the city. Is that a sexual reference? Regardless, this was going much better than I had expected. I was making direct contact with my target. If I went to his home, perhaps I could just wait until everybody fell asleep and sneak away with Romeo before anybody else knew better. Um, I don't know. We just met. I wouldn't want to impose on you like that. I said, trying to play hard to get. No, I insist. You must. Samantha, go with my friend James here and guide him to my home. I will be there shortly. There is somebody that I must see first. Romeo replied while motioning to one of the women from his group. Samantha did indeed guide me to Romeo's home. I already knew where he lived, of course, but I had to play dumb. Romeo's estate was a true mansion, with aesthetics that would make somebody think that they had designed the home in the game, The Sims. I was escorted inside, and the rest of Romeo's entourage would arrive shortly after. I was offered some scotch that had apparently been aged over a hundred years. I'm not much of a drinker, but I accepted it nonetheless. Romeo arrived almost an hour later, fashionably late to his own party. Once he arrived, he immediately approached me. James, follow me. There is something I must show you. He said to me. I didn't hesitate to follow him. This is my chance to be alone with him. I could tranquilize him and be on my way before anybody else knew better. He led me to a room on the other side of the home. The room was something else. Something I didn't expect. The walls were covered with pictures. Men and women. Each one was a different person. I think I even noticed a few of them from his group. What is this? I said without even thinking. These are all the people I have conquered. And you are the next. Please, remove your clothing. Romeo said this as he turned his back on me and began removing his own clothing. I almost felt compelled to remove my clothes. His words held so much power, but I was able to hold out. Instead, I approached him and I sunk the trank into his neck. I made sure to duct tape his mouth. I had heard enough of his words for one night. Romeo was much bigger than me, so it was quite an effort dragging him out of his window and back to my vehicle but I managed to do it before anybody got suspicious. I assumed his friend simply thought that he was trying to take his time to conquer me. I dropped off Romeo, and I made sure to shower extra well that night. My experience with Romeo also made me miss my date with Ghoul. Almost. My next assignment would be another fun one. Codename Kong so what happens when you splice human DNA with gorilla DNA? Well, apparently, you get Kong. Personally, I would have preferred the name Caesar in reference to Planet of the Apes, but I suppose he's not a gorilla, and I don't get to pick the names anyway. Kong is essentially a smaller version of Bigfoot, and before you ask if Bigfoot exists, I have to say that I don't know. I haven't been tasked with hunting him down yet. Kong would be a kill task. There's no guarantee that the tranks would work, 
and if they did, for how long? And not to mention, he had killed two scientists when he had escaped, so they weren't too worried about him coming back alive. They just wanted to dissect what was left of him. I was given specific parameters to avoid the head if at all possible, and they mostly wanted to examine the brain, and that wouldn't be possible if I had splatted it all on the ground. Another problem I faced was my experience with long-range weapons. It had been a part of my training, of course, and I had gone through the basics, but that was about it. I had been told that most of my missions would be up close and personal anyway, so it wasn't that important. Well, it was starting to seem very important now. Similar to Ghoul, Kong had taken up residence in a forested area, but since his diet didn't consist of human meat, he had chosen a much more secluded area. I don't think Kong really wanted to hurt anyone. He could have lived his life out in these woods never bothering anyone. But that's not what the government wanted. My superiors informed me that they had already done overhead sweeps of the area, and they were able to tell me exactly where the cave he was staying in was located. Of course, they had done the easy part, and I would get to do all the dirty work on the ground. I made my way over to the vantage point overlooking the cave, and I set up the sniper rifle they had supplied me with. And now all that I had to do was wait. After a few hours, Kong finally made his appearance. He walked out of the cave and he began to stretch his limbs, the way most of us do after we wake up. I steadied the rifle and I am the crosshairs over where I would assume his heart was, and I pulled the trigger. I missed. I hadn't taken into account that the wind had picked up since I had started waiting, and the bullet had strayed to the right of Kong, hitting the rock of the cave. Kong didn't move though. Instead, he simply turned his gaze to me, with eyes that were all too human. He didn't try to escape. He knew I would come eventually, and if it wasn't me, it would be someone else. Kong had accepted his fate. I had killed the Rippler, of course, but that was different. I had done that while he was asleep. I didn't have to see the look in his eyes before he died. I almost wish Kong had been a monster like Ghoul, and that way I wouldn't have to feel bad about putting him down. With a slight hesitation, I reloaded my gun, took aim accounting for the wind now, and I fired once again. Bullseye. Kong went down instantly. I made my way over to confirm that he was dead, and luckily he was. He wouldn't have to suffer anymore. Kong weighed far too much for me to drag back on my own, so instead, I set off a flare I had been given for this moment, and waited for the air team to come and collect him. Sitting next to Kong's lifeless body really made me begin to question my line of work. I had never felt so disgusted in my life, but I knew there was no way out of it for me. I'm already in far too deep. Perhaps the government has created another monster in me, and someday they'll have to put me down too. But for now, I'm still doing their dirty work. If you'll excuse me, writing about Kong has really brought my mood down. I'll be back, and I'll be sure to include one of my more exciting assignments next time. But I think I need to lie down for a bit. Until next time. 
I'm back and with me, I bring a few more of my assignments. I'm not sure how much time I have, so I'll jump right into it. First up... Codename, Delilah. Delilah is, well, a doll. A ventriloquist doll, to be exact. And despite her simple looks, she's quite dangerous. Probably not in the way that most of you would expect, though. She can't move on her own. Well, she can speak, but that's it. So she won't be running around your home in the middle of the night stabbing people. No, instead Delilah has an incredibly strong power of influence. One look in her eyes and she'll have complete control over you. It's a bit ironic, really. A ventriloquist doll making humans her puppets. In my briefing, I was told Delilah is essentially the definition of sadistic. She enjoys making her victims inflict as much pain as possible, before eventually disposing of them. I'm not sure if the demons are real, but if they are, I'm sure that's what's trapped in that doll. Delilah was believed to be staying with a family of four. She had been taken there by a scientist who had fallen under her control. She's only been gone for about a week, but there's no telling what she could have gotten up to during that time. The scientist who had taken her had returned to her workplace a day later and had attempted to murder her co-workers, but that was quickly taken care of. I made my way to the family's home, hoping to be surprised by what I saw. Let's just say, I got my wish, but not in the way that I'd hoped. I knocked on the front door and after a few minutes of no response, I turned the handle to find that the door was unlocked. I wish I hadn't. The moment I stepped into the home, I was hit with a putrid smell. One that I know means death. The walls were coated in blood. Some of it was dried. Some was fresh and still slowly dripping down. I found the family together in the living room. The mother and the two children were sat in a small triangle. They were already dead and rotted. Their stomachs had been cut open with their entrails hanging out. They had been posed in a way to make it look as if they were eating their own organs. In the center of that triangle was the father, hanging from the ceiling. He had scratches and cuts all across him, but that was nothing compared to what had happened to his family. Just before I was about to spill my lunch all over the floor, I heard a voice from the opposite corner of the room. Just in time... What do you think of my art? It's a little sloppy, but I'm sure it'll get better in time. The voice said, Delilah? I questioned. Oh, have you come to get me already? I was having such a fun time too. Well, I'm done here anyway. I guess you can take me back now. I'll be out again soon. I made my way over to the voice, making sure to keep my head down. I had no intention of ending up like that family. When I got close, I closed my eyes. I managed to pick her up and flip her over, and I made my way back to the vehicle. Let me sit up in front. I like to have conversations during my car rides. Plus, you can't get much action from women in this line of work, so it'll be fun for both of us. Delilah said mockingly, as much as I wanted to chuck her into the back and throw a blanket or something over her, 
I also didn't want her to be out of my line of sight. So, I granted her wish. I carefully sat her up front, turning her head towards the window. I'd be lying if I said part of me wasn't curious about her. I wanted to know more about what makes a monster a monster. You know, you should just take me home with you. Tell your boss I wasn't here. I'm sure we could have lots of fun together. Delilah said, Yeah, I'm sure you would make great kindling for a fire. I responded, Oh, you're so funny. I like you. I was thinking that I would have somebody kill you eventually. But maybe I'll keep you. Oh, you don't just kill everyone? I asked. Of course not. I like to let the really bad ones live. It's more fun that way. Delilah said. What do you mean by that? Are you saying I'm a bad person? That had made me a bit angry. I'd almost turned to look at Delilah, but I thought better of it. Was she just trying to provoke me? You aren't quite on my level yet, but I see potential in you. You didn't even scream when you saw my work. Maybe you even enjoyed seeing it. You may think we're different, but we really aren't. Delilah retorted. She was partly right. I hadn't reacted when I saw the bodies. I had felt a little sick, but if I had seen that a month ago, I would have probably passed out. Whether I like it or not, I am definitely changing. And I don't think it is for the good. What are you? I finally asked after a few minutes of silence. Look into my eyes and I'll tell you. Nice try. I may be stupid, but I'm not that stupid. I responded almost bursting out of laughter. What are you afraid of? Do you think you would see yourself if you looked into my eyes? That's enough. One more word and I'm googling where the nearest wood chipper is. Those were the last words that I spoke on our little road trip together. I dropped off to Lila and I informed them about the mess at the house. They said they would send somebody out to clean it up. I was hoping that they would give me a break after what I had seen. But I wouldn't be so lucky. As soon as I turned into Lila, they told me that they already had a new assignment ready for me. That would be... Codename, Jack. What a name, I know. This was probably the oddest assignment that I had received yet, though. Jack was, from what I could tell, entirely human. I had no clue why I had been tasked with finding a human. Perhaps he was a runaway scientist, or somebody who just knew too much. But he certainly wasn't what I had gotten used to hunting. I was told that Jack was incredibly dangerous, though and that I shouldn't take any risks in trying to capture him alive. In other words, they wanted him dead. This only made me more curious as to what secrets that Jack must have held. Jack was constantly on the move, so it wasn't easy to find him, but my training had paid off, and I was eventually able to track him down. I watched him for a few. He didn't seem dangerous to me. Suspicious and cautious, yes, but not dangerous. One night, he stepped out of his hotel room to go get food, so I decided to let myself in. Jack and I needed to have a talk. Jack didn't seem too surprised when he returned to his room to find me sitting on the couch. 
He simply held out his arms. So, they did send someone for me after all. Well, go ahead and do what you have to do. I won't fight it. He said. Sit down, Jack. I just want to talk. Jack raised his eyebrow at this. A curious one, huh? You know what they say about curiosity, right? I rolled my eyes and I once again motioned for Jack to sit down. Who are you, Jack, and why did they send me after you? You don't know? I'm Ewer, at least I used to be. They'd tell you where to go, who to kill, who to bring back alive, and we do it, no questions asked. I couldn't handle it anymore, though. So here I am, and here you are. Jack explained. This took me back for a second. I had known that he had had to have some connection to my agency, but I had never considered he had been in the same position as me. So, there really was no way out, other than death, that is. I walked across the room, pulled out my gun, and I killed Jack. I had the answers that I came here for. Perhaps Delilah was right. We aren't so different after all. I returned with Jack's body. I wasn't asked to give my usual debriefing. Instead, I was just given a simple nod and told to go home and wait for my next assignment. I wondered if this was another test. If it had been, I was pretty sure that I passed with flying colors. I understand if you all think less of me for the choices I made, but if it wasn't me, it would be someone else. This was the life that I had chosen, and perhaps the life that was chosen for me. Regardless, I can't back down now. I'm simply one discardable person in the whole scheme of things. And don't mistake my actions for blind loyalty, though. I know the people I work for aren't good people. I simply know my place in this world, and the minute I stop being useful, I will end up like Jack. How does that saying go? Better the devil you know than the devil you don't. I am a cog in a giant machine, and once my cog stops working, I will be discarded and replaced by another. Despite the fact that I risk death every day that I wake up, I have never felt more alive. I no longer have nightmares of those I've killed. I've stopped caring about things like that. If I become too soft, then I will end up like Jack, and I have no intentions of letting that happen. After I disposed of Jack, I was given a week off. It had been a while since I had any time to myself. It was a bit strange. I never had many friends to begin with, and my work had distanced me from my few family members I had kept in touch with. This week off made me realize just how empty my life had become. Was this what they had wanted? Regardless, I was at work the minute my week was up, ready for my next assignment. And I got one. Codename Mimic As her name implies, Mimic is a master of disguise. She has the ability to morph her face into the perfect replica of anybody she chooses, but she is unable to change her body. I imagine she's still a work in progress, 
But can you imagine what the government could do if they could create perfect body replicas of anyone they wanted? The Mimic had escaped with a few other experiments, but she was the top priority. It was believed that they all had split up, but I was still warned to be on the lookout in case any of them teamed up. Due to her ability, Mimic would be incredibly difficult to locate, and because of this, several hunters like me were given her as an assignment. If our information was correct, then she had not made it out of the city we live in yet, but if she had, we may never find her. The only thing we would be able to identify her is by a distinct scar on her left shoulder. The government had set up roadblocks at all of the city's exits, while us hunters searched within. Three other hunters and myself were each given a quadrant to search. Mimic had no family, so she would either have to break into somewhere or find an abandoned location to stay. I spent several hours searching the streets of my quadrant, asking strangers if they had seen a suspicious-looking woman, as well as checking out old decrepit homes that hadn't been lived in for years. I found nothing, though. That was until I was approached by a slender, young-looking man, probably in his early 20s. Are you looking for someone? The man asked. Yeah, it's hard to explain. I'm looking for a girl, but I'm not entirely sure what she looks like. I replied. Aren't we all? The man chuckled before continuing. But I may be able to help you. I saw a girl run into an old abandoned building around the corner. She was acting pretty weird, constantly looking over her shoulder. Maybe she's the one you're looking for. Thanks. I have to go check right now. I said as I pushed past the man, not giving his words a second thought. I quickly made my way to the building and I let myself in. And to my amazement, Mimic was actually there. But it wasn't quite what I had expected. Mimic was tied to a chair. I knew that it was her, because her scar was in clear view. No other hunters had contacted me to tell me that they had moved into my area, or that they had found Mimic. So why was she tied up? And that's when I remembered who told me that I would find her here. The stranger. Before I could even turn around, I heard his voice. It's a gift. She's quite important to them, isn't she? It was a strange young man that I had just met, but he wasn't behind me. He was in front of me near Mimic. How had he gotten in front of me? I had almost sprinted over here. Who are you? I asked. That's not important right now. Aren't you going to thank me? Oh wait, that's not important either. The real reason I'm here is to deliver a message to you. The man said, A message? From who? I was truly perplexed, as I said earlier. I made contact with almost no one. Don't look so confused, friend. It's from your girlfriend. Have you already forgotten about her? Delilah would be so upset to hear that. The man mockingly replied. I immediately cut him off. Delilah is not my girlfriend. Delilah is a demonic doll that I want nothing to do with, unless it involves a large fire. I was almost shouting. The man laughed before responding. She said you would say something like that. Regardless, 
I just want you to know that she's coming to pick you up soon, and that she really misses you. Now, if you'll excuse me. The man turned and began to walk away. Where do you think you're going? I said as I pulled my train gun and I aimed it at him. He didn't respond, nor did he stop walking, so I fired. My aim was dead on. Well, it would have been, but the dart passed right through the man as if he wasn't there. He continued walking up to the wall and proceeded to walk through. What the hell just happened? The man appears out of nowhere and leads me to Mimic, and then he tells me that Delilah is coming for me. And to top it off, there's obviously something going on with that man too, seeing as how he knew Delilah, but also the fact that objects passed directly through his body. Was he under her control? I didn't know what was going on at all, but I still had a job to do and my target was right in front of me. I let the other hunters know that I had found the target and that I was taking her back. And that's what I did. I brought Mimic back to my bosses. I was almost expecting some sort of praise, but I knew that would be unlikely despite her value. I would be surprised once again when I made it back to the holding facility though. The whole place was in complete lockdown. Well, whatever was able to be locked down. Half of the building had been blown off. The facility was located outside of town in a secluded area for obvious reasons. So I knew that no innocent people had died. But I did see the corpses of many scientists and guards strewn around the facility. I know some of them had families, but these people weren't exactly angels. I managed to find one of my superiors who was able to briefly fill me in on the situation. While our forces had been thinned looking for Mimic, a group had attacked the facility. It's obvious they were looking for a particular experiment, but it's unsure exactly who they were after at this point. Around 20 or 50 experiments out in the facility had escaped. I tried asking which of the experiments had, but I was told that it was confidential. And they simply told me to leave Mimic with them and to go home and wait for them to sort this out. I would be busy very soon. Part of me already knows at least one of the experiments who escaped. Was she the target? I think it's a big possibility. I was already told that she was coming for me. I'm not sure what's about to happen, but it can't be good. It had been a few days since the attack on the facility. I was temporarily sent home while the government sorted out the mess. With half of the building blown off, it wouldn't do much good to start hunting on the experiments before we had a place to store them. We'd find them eventually anyways too. I was able to sleep for about four hours before my phone rang, and it was time to hunt down the escapees. Myself and three of the other hunters that had helped look for Mimic were called in. We were given a short list of the experiments that had escaped. And to my dismay, Delilah was in fact on that list. She couldn't move on her own, so it was clear that she was with another one of the experiments. Which one, though, I had no clue. I tried flipping through the pages to see if the man I had seen with Mimic was on the list. But he wasn't. We were able to find about half of the 20 escapees within the first day. Some of the experiments just stand out a little bit much. And with nobody to help them on the outside, they were pretty much sitting ducks. And there were still 11 at large though, Delilah of course among those. 
I kept hoping that every time we found a new lead, it would be the one carrying Delilah. But unfortunately, that was not the case. After doing a quick sweep of the nearby city with no new results, we were all sent home to rest. The government would go through cameras and contact us if they found anything. They were also calling in reinforcements after the attack, trying to find out who orchestrated it. There was absolutely no way I was going home with a killer doll stalking me though. Instead, I made sure that I wasn't being followed. I parked my car on a random street and I found a small motel. It was a crappy rundown place, but that oddly made me feel safer. I slept with my lethal gun in hand and my train gun nearby. I knew that I wouldn't be able to sleep much, but it would only be worse for me if Delilah did come and I was too exhausted to fight back. The night went by with no incidences though, and I was called early in the morning once again. It turns out two experiments had been spotted together, and they had stolen a car and ran around to leave the city. The people back at the facility had slowed them down as much as possible with stoplights. They wanted me and one of the other hunters to meet up and follow them. They could possibly lead us to more of the escaped. I was able to quickly meet up with one of the hunters from before. He was probably in his mid-thirties, so he had been doing this much longer than I had. Luckily, we were able to catch sight of the stolen vehicle just before it left town. Despite knowing that they had been slowed down, it seemed too easy. The car began taking back roads and eventually pulled into an old cabin. Despite us being the only car behind it for the most time, it didn't seem to show any unusual behavior, as she suggested knew we were following it. The other hunter pulled over a short distance from the cabin, and he began to ready himself. I pulled out my phone. This was obviously a trap. I thought that maybe I could call backup, but the other hunter stopped me. Listen, kid, I've been at it a long time. I know this is probably a trap, but do you really think they're going to send anybody to help us? We're on our own, and you can either help me or sit out here and wait. I'm going in. Well then, after you, I suppose. I replied coldly. I knew that he was probably right, though. The government didn't care much about us. They would probably have just scolded me and asked what I was waiting for. So I began to gear up as well. Death might be favorable compared to whatever Delilah wanted to do with me. The other hunter and I exited the vehicle and made our way as sneakily as possible in daylight. Once we had made it to the door, the hunter made a countdown of three before throwing some sort of grenade through the front window. It exploded into gas, quickly filling the home. I couldn't help but wonder why I had never gotten access to these grenades before. After the gas had mostly dispersed, we covered our noses with our shirts and went inside. We instantly found one of the experiments unconscious on the floor. If I remembered correctly, her codename was Trauma. By touching someone, she could force them to see their worst nightmares. I guess since waterboarding is too inhumane, she must be the solution. The other hunter began to make his way over to her, and he began restraining her, while I watched his back. He was almost done when everything went black. When I came to, I saw the other hunter was tied to a chair in front of me. He was still unconscious. 
I then looked down to see I was in the same situation. I was firmly tied down to a chair. Ah, you're finally awake. A male voice to my side said. I turned to look. It was the man from before. The one who had walked through the wall. He was also sat in a chair, but he wasn't tied up. I doubt any sort of bindings could hold him anyway. On his lap sat a doll. The doll had a hood pulled up just enough to cover its eyes. The man began to speak. It's actually a bit funny. Last time we met, I gave you someone tied up in a chair. And now you yourself are tied up. What do you want? I replied. Not in the mood for any games. Not that I had much of a choice. I told you. Delilah here was coming to pick you up. But instead, you came to see her yourself. How sweet of you. The man said. Did you really miss me that much? And Delilah finally spoke up. Can you just kill me already? Or do whatever you're going to do with me? I responded. I told you. I let the bad ones live. And you have been quite bad recently. Killing that poor man Jack. It was a bit fast. But I'm sure you still enjoyed it. Delilah said mocking me. I just did what I was told. He knew what he signed up for. Yes, he did. The rest of us are not so fortunate. All of our lives were turned into games by the government. The only difference between us is that you had a choice. The rest of the experiments and myself never had the luxury of knowing what they were getting into. Delilah said, So what? You want to overthrow the government? Expose them or something? I questioned. Delilah began to laugh. Oh, heavens no. They are far too powerful for that. And there are too few of us to even think about challenging them. I simply don't care enough for something like that. No, I simply wanted you. What do you want from me? I may have done terrible things, but I'm still nothing like you. I replied. Oh, maybe not yet. But you will be soon enough. After she said this, two new people entered the room. They were both wearing lab coats. The one held a syringe and once he reached me, he plunged it into my arm, releasing the fluids. Once again, the world went black. I awoke again to find myself looking at two bodies. One was the other hunter. The other was mine. Both had a bolt hole in their head. How is this possible? Am I dead? Then how am I still seeing this? I quickly looked down at myself, fearing the worst. I wasn't trapped in a doll. I still appeared to be human. I touched my face and the rest of my body. I still felt solid. I was still capable of picking things up. But why was my body seemingly dead on the floor? It's incredible, isn't it? It looks exactly like you, even down to the fingerprints. One of the experiment's abilities... The other one isn't a replica, though. He's quite dead. And done with your gun, by the way. This came from the voice of the ghost-like man from before. What did you do to me? I asked. I knew they had done something to me. The man simply shrugged. Nothing. It seems as if your body had rejected the serum that we had planned for you. 
rejected. Well, at least that was one thing to be happy about. Although I was still stuck in a room with one of my captors, as well as a dead body in the replica of my own dead body. What now then? I asked, even though I wasn't sure I'd get a direct answer. Since it didn't work, Delilah has one last plan for you. As he said this, the door once more opened. Delilah was brought back into the room by trauma, this time with no hood. I was no longer tied up, but I knew there was still no way for me to escape yet. So I stood still as trauma approached me with Delilah in hand. Once trauma stood directly in front of me, I crouched down and I looked directly into Delilah's eyes. I wouldn't fight fate. What I saw in those eyes was pure evil. I saw countless wars, murders, deaths, suicides. It seemed to be endless tragedy. I didn't lose control of myself, though. Instead, I quickly reached for the lighter that had been riding in my shoe ever since I knew Delilah had escaped. I flipped it almost instantly and held it to Delilah's dress. She went up in a blaze. There was no stopping the fire. Trauma and the strange man desperately tried to stop it, but it was as if Delilah had been soaked in gasoline. I took a second to smile before sprinting out of the door. I saw several people on my way out of the house, but none of them seemed concerned with me. They were all trying to get to the room with Delilah. I knew the whole cabin would be engulfed soon, so I just needed to get out. Once I made it outside, I quickly ran to where the hunter's car had been parked. It was surprisingly still there, and they hadn't moved it yet, but he still had the key. So I smashed the window and I hotwired the car as quickly as possible, and I sped off. By the time I drove by, the fire in the cabin was massive. I almost hoped that all those inside would die, but they had all been under Delilah's power. It's possible there were some good people among them. I let the thought die instead as I continued to move forward. I've been hiding out ever since that day. I know writing this only puts me in more danger, but this story needed to be put out there. It's almost guaranteed that the government will read this, and perhaps it will send someone after me, but I don't care anymore. I won't be a puppet to anyone, not the government, and not a psychotic doll. I'm officially done hunting down the government's mistakes. Psychological.